Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! They painted over ants. When a man could still work, still would. Best of the free life behind us now And are the good times really over for good And are we rolling downhill like a snowball Headed for hell With no kind of chance for the flag Well, as uh, anybody with a little bit of taste and a little bit of patriotism knows, that was a sample from the great Merle Haggard, a man that means a lot to me in my life listening to music. And um, my buddy Russ here uh, didn't appreciate it too much. But before we get into that, hey, welcome back to the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast, coming to you on a lovely Monday evening. Um Looking out at the Nisqually River here in the Pacific Northwest, enjoying the view and my specially cultivated tulips that I work really hard on. Um, so that was a sample and a sample only from uh, the great Merle Haggard. I encourage all of you to go to iTunes or Amazon Music or whoever, wherever you get your music from and uh Look him up. He is the dean of country music. And I think that song's feeling and lyrics are very appropriate. Um, 1978 is still the same thing as 2021, apparently. How you doing, Russ? I'm doing great. Uh, coming off a great podcast with uh, the Endless Ranters uh, yesterday. And, um, I mean, it is Monday, so I'm looking forward to it not being Monday any longer. But, yeah, everything's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we had a great. I hope I hope some of you caught the uh, cross pod with the endless ranters. We had a we had a great. They uh, recorded everything live on YouTube, so you can always go over there and get an expanded version. Um, I know they're going to put the podcast out here shortly, but please do go over there. We uh, we really love Christopher and Jane, and we got to know Manny yesterday, who's a hoot. Um, yeah, he, he was he was he was fun. He was fun. And I'm just going to put this out there, Manny. If you listen to our podcast, a little less pot, brother, a little less. 
Yeah, I think that was the, the part where we clashed a little bit on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I'm used to that, you know, being in Washington State. And I grew up in Lewis County in the 70s and 80s, and that stuff was rampant. That was in the, you know, in the days where everybody had the Cheech and Chong albums. And, uh, yeah, out here. And I actually still own a couple of those. Um, I inherited those from, like, my older siblings and their, their significant others. Um, so I'm used to it. I think it's great. I don't care. Uh, I, I'm like you. I, I have very little experience experimenting in the realms of anything like that. I, uh, I'm an old fashioned drunk when I was in my drinking phases and that's about it. So, and I know you're, you're pretty chaste. Well, I, I have, you said very little experience. I have zero experience in some of that. Um, I, I have had drinks. Um, I don't drink very often. Uh, for two reasons, not mostly I don't enjoy the the taste of alcohol. For the most part, I got to be able to not taste the alcohol if I'm going to enjoy something. Um, and second, just given my personality, I don't tend to know moderation very well. Sure. Um, so I will, um, and like I say, it doesn't happen often, but I can now, I now have been able to move to two hands counting the number of times that I've, uh, you know, been drunk. Um, wow. I know that's that impressive. It is, well, it knowing- is for me. Knowing thyself and knowing that you don't have that uh, necessarily that gate on it and maybe couldn't be a normie, you know, I think that's yeah. impressive. That's that's well, a lot of self-control. My, here's, my, here's quick. The last time the last time that I got hammered um, was uh, I want to say the beginning of June of 2015. And it was in a dry country. Uh, it was at uh, it was in Saudi Arabia with a whole bunch of other army guys. Uh, we had some some tea. And uh, some of my buddies managed to uh, help me stumble back to my villa. And then one of them made me go to his villa because they were afraid that I was going to choke on my own vomit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's hammered. That's that's amazing. You know, uh, I got to tell you real quick, my generation, one of my aversions, and I have no problem with people smoking marijuana, um, but one of my, you know, my, my actual aversion to it is pretty obvious in my generation. It was very distinct. If you smoked pot, you were a stoner. You drove yeah. a really shitty, like, um, uh, probably like a Chevy Nova that had six different colors to it because you put different doors on it and different, you know, fenders and quarter panels. And you wore like rat t-shirts and crappy leather jackets and you skipped school and got in trouble all the time. That's the people that smoke pot. Then you had like the athletes and the, you know, the smart kids and stuff like that. And it was a very, very strict distinction. Unlike today's society where a million, most people I know actually smoke marijuana recreationally, professional or otherwise, but the, but there's one thing that I can tell you that's the that's the truth among marijuana smokers who are really into it. People who are really into it, it becomes a lifestyle and you're fucking lazy. Yeah, well, when I was when I was growing up, uh, the way that I viewed the, the marijuana users, and I'm gonna draw some flack from this, I'm sure, is they were the folks that I view that I viewed as losers. Now I do know that that, <laughs> that, that has changed. I know that it's a lot more widespread. In high school, you're right. It was it was the the stoner losers who, you know, right had the had the the cars that ha- that never got fixed and they were failing a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of putty a lot of you know a lot of the body like gray primer and shit like that on them and yeah and, and they were you know they there was a certain subset of girls that they they tried to hook up with um right. they didn't speak very intelligently now i know like i said i know some of that's changed i guess there's some, some sure. folks who do it now 
but I, I will say um, I saw what it did to Colorado. And what I mean by that is I was in Colorado Springs in 2015 um, and it was, it was a great town. I went back to Colorado Springs in 2019, a uh, couple years after they had legalized pot and the town is not the same because all right. the potheads uh, gravitated towards it, but the cost of living is still high. So they couldn't afford to live there. So they were out on the streets begging for more pot. Um, it's just do what you do. It's just, it's never appealed to me. I don't get it. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't even know where to find it. I'm that, I'm that square. I have no idea where to even get this. Yeah, we've stuff. got, so it, it doesn't Starbucks. affect me at all. Starbucks and marijuana stores are about ubiquitous now on every street corner in Washington state since it became recreational legally. And, and look, I'll just say this before I, I don't want it. My friends that actually, you know, smoke pot and all that. <laughs> I really don't. Cause I know a lot of nice people. I, I chose to drink and binge drink and go to Kagers and, and we'd go up in the Hills and those of those from my hometown will remember miners road. We used to call that stoners up there. We'd go there and build a bonfire and a bunch of, you know, uh, logging truck tires and I'd get hammered and we'd drink Schmidt or whatever it was, or Rhinelander or animal beer. We called it uh, buckhorn and make pyramids of cans. So I did the same escape. I just use alcohol. And so, you know, these, these kids were just having an escape. There's really no difference. There's no difference. It's just alcohol, you know, finding that guy that was the Matthew McConaughey character outside the uh, mini Mart. And there's a specific guy I'm talking about and he listens to the podcast, <laughs> but he would, uh, he would buy us beer and, you know, you, you buy a case and buy him a six pack. You know, that was, we had that back in the day. And it, you know what? Nobody ever got hurt. Nobody ever got in trouble. You know, every now and again, we had the cops busted up and they'd tell us all to go home and stuff like that. It was a different time. It was a different time. So, let, let me just, let me just make myself even more unrelatable. Um, if I really thought hard enough, I could remember each and every time that I've been drunk. It's, I mean, I literally it's less than two hands. That's nuts. Um, I've only been, I've only, and one of the other reasons I don't like to drink is because the last time was only the third time in my life where I can't remember a good portion of the evening. Um, right. and, and I don't like that. So it's just, I get it. I'm a stick in the mud. I'm, God bless you. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome, dude. Whatever. It's, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I get, I, I do other stuff, uh, but the, the, putting the stuff, you know, my, my escape is, you know, my God awful diet maybe. Um, but, <laughs> but aside from that, I, I just, it just doesn't appeal to me. Somebody else wants to do it. That's fine. You can do it. I can right. choose not to and choose not to hang out with you or whatever. Yep. No, I get it. And God bless you for knowing that about yourself. I've unfortunately had a fairly negative history in that. And you said you could, you can remember the times you got drunk. I couldn't remember the times within a week I got drunk back in my heyday. So, oh, well, uh, maybe at some point, we might I'm way past on, that, but at uh, some point we might have to bring on uh, my best friend back from North Carolina who was present the first time I ever got drunk. And actually one of the stalkers of the show who likes to write in, who's another good friend of mine, Lee Taylor, that has written in a couple of times. He was present the first time I ever got drunk. <laughs> he, he and I got drunk together. It was We're like totally going to have him on, by the way. Yeah, well, it, it's I, I think that was the first time we ever got along was when we were both hammered. Um, so uh, that's, you know that's probably what we'll have to do is bring one of the two of them or maybe both of them at some point on and they can talk about some folks on the podcast can't appreciate this coop. You can appreciate it to an extent. Um, if you want to know what I'm like drunk, take some of the weirder aspects of my personality and magnify them by like a thousand. 
Um, and that's, I'm a very, I'm a very cr- crazy. And I don't mean like crazy jumping off the walls. I mean, a weirdo kind of a drunk. I mean, I've been huh. known to, I've been known to, to, uh, when I remember one at one party, uh, one of the few parties I got a little bit, uh, inebriated, uh, one of the guys tried to take me outside and, you know, tell me that I need to just chill a little bit. And I think he went into shock when I licked his arm. Notice the awkward silence. Yes. Podcast fans. No, it's all good, bro. Um, no, I, there's very few people who could beat me on stories. So that's why I work every day. Let's let's, I have no idea why we got on that topic, but you know what? We went off the rails, but it's always good. Let's we were talking uh, about endless Randers and the great time we had on the endless Randers podcast. Yes, we did. We did. And thanks again to uh, Jane and Christopher and Manny. Um, yeah, y'all are awesome. Yeah. Uh, and please give them a listen. Go over to Endless Ranters. They're great. They're they're really good. So I just want to let you know up front, my preferred pronouns for this podcast are ass nasty, harmonic hopscotch, or you can just call me blue. Just blue. Yeah, my preferred pronouns are wah, wah, wah. I got it. I got it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get a little bit hip deep in a couple of issues here. The first thing I wanted to talk about, Russ. And it's been an issue that's been going on for quite some time is the social media censorship that's going on in this country. And some of the, oh, there's there's so many ways we could talk about this. And I, I kind of want to keep it short because there's another issue that, that I want to get to tonight as well. But... Um, uh, let me just give you a little bit of a little bit of my flavor on this, and then we can we can move forward. Social media censorship. So, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, these companies that have formed a basically information technology monopoly. They're protected by something called Section Two Thirty to the Communications Decency Act of nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. Now. Section 230 has gotten a lot of press and a lot of feelings one way or the other. I personally don't think Section 230 is good or bad. I think if you exploit it for your own political means, it becomes bad, but it can be a good thing. Let me let me just go through this a little bit. What Section 230 intended to do was protect um, platform medias that just give you information, don't editorialize like news like, you know, news platforms do, protects them from lawsuits from user-related content that might be harmful. I don't see that as a bad thing. Matter of fact, that's kind of down my libertarian uh, bowling alley strike. Um, so there are there are provisions within uh, Section 230, such as um, illegal content. You can't purport illegal uh, information on there. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't immunize these platforms from illegal things. Um, You know, honestly, if it hadn't been for Section 230, I'm going to keep this succinct. We can we can get into this. Um, There probably would be no uh, wiki or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. There probably would not be. So, again, it's one of those things that I used to say back in the old days when there was old fashioned liberals, a lot of liberal policies had great intentions, but the execution of them went awry somewhere because people got the wrong idea about how to use these type of statutes. So um, Facebook, for instance, we're, we're going through a thing where Donald Trump 
um, as you know, after the, <laughs> and I say this tongue in cheek, insurrection of January 6th was banned from Facebook. And so what Facebook did was they put a meaningless board together, um, an oversight board, supposedly to comb through posts and people who put those posts on to keep us from having dangerous rhetoric. Now, here's the problem. There's no standard about what dangerous rhetoric means. You know, it's like the famous uh, Supreme Court justice that says, I don't know what the definition of pornography is, but I know it when I see it. It's kind of like that. Um, the excuse they're using is they say Donald Trump's treats, or excuse, treats, tweets and posts on Facebook led to the insurrection of 6 January. Okay, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up so I can get your opinion on this. Number one, insurrection my ass. If you're going to blame somebody for getting a bunch of adults to do something fucking stupid, then you have completely absconded from the whole idea of individual responsibility in this country. And I completely, completely go against that. Number two, why aren't people like Louis Farrakhan, Maxine Waters, um, Kamala Harris, and all these other people who said far more insurrectional things? You, you know what Maxine Waters said about getting out on the – yeah, you know what she said, and I'll, I'll kind of let you talk about that. So here's the thing. Section 230, a good intention gone bad. The social media people – um, which they're all a bunch of fuckbag leftists. Yes, I said it. Have gone way too far. And the fact that you are censoring the ex-president of the United States and saying that his comments led to insurrection, if you look at any of them, which is an absolute fucking bald-faced lie. And you know I have my problems with Donald Trump. I think what happened on January 6th was an embarrassment but was it an insurrection? Was it the worst thing that's happened since the Civil War, as our fucking uh, depends wearing president said? Absolutely not. How dare you denigrate um, the people at Pearl Harbor or the Twin Towers or any of that, you piece of shit. So anyway, I'm obviously a little bit passionate about this. So <laughs> I'm going to take a step back. Um, I'd love to hear your uh, your thoughts on this. Okay, well, I got, I got several thoughts. The, the first is the... Section 230 was intended to help treat some of these platforms. And, and when it came out in 96, this was before Facebook and Twitter. This was to help folks curate the comment section. So you, you couldn't put porn in the comment section or, or that kind of stuff. And it was to protect, it was to give liability to platforms. It was to treat them the way that we treat a, AT&T. If I'm on the phone and I say something stupid over the phone, AT&T is not liable. Right. Um, right. right. And they... They've kind of taken that that carte blanche and they've they've really applied it to everything and they are editorializing. They are they are changing content based on a political opinion. Um, I think uh, part of the part of the issue is that they are monopoly they are monopolies, but they're not just monopolies. They are responding to government pressure. And what I mean by that is, if you notice, it was back a few years ago that Dianne Feinstein, the the once lovely uh, the lovely senator from California. Um, she she would basically threatened Facebook um, and other social media platforms that if they didn't start curating some content, then maybe the federal government would act. It was it was her and a couple of other authoritarian leftists um, using the power of government to kind of cudgel folks, kind of like the old the old mafia skit. You know, hey, nice business you got there. Be a shame if something happened to it. Um, right. It was right. it was her way to get them to do what they wanted to do anyway. Um, and that's that's where this merger of 
corporatism and government kind of came in because a lot of these folks in, on in Silicon Valley and in, with big tech, they felt that way anyway. So they, they were kind of provided cover. Well, hey, we have to do this. Otherwise, the government's going to get involved. Um, first of all, it's kind of short sighted. It's assuming the conservatives are never going to gain preeminence ever again in government, which is ludicrous. We, we live in a world of a pendulum. Um, and it's going to swing back, and then you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of that. Conservatives are get on big tech because of censoring. Liberals get on big tech because they're not censoring enough. So they're they're coming at it from two totally different angles. Um, you talk about January 6th. January 6th, you're right, was an embarrassment. There's a couple of hundred morons um, that did really stupid stuff, made it look bad for the country. Worst thing since the Civil War, bullshit. Like you said, I mean, I can think of half a dozen off the top of my head without breathing hard. Everything from the Twin Towers to Jim Crow laws to um, interning the Japanese war to to Pearl Harbor to uh, Woodrow Wilson cracking down on speed in World War One. I. I mean, I can think of a whole bunch of other assaults yeah. against our democracy. And you know, another yep. thing that shows it wasn't a real so-called coup was the fact that, you know, these people were finally ushered out. Uh, Congress met and then they certified the election that, that the way they were supposed to, the way the Constitution prescribes. Um, and even if something had happened, you know, it, nothing would have actually come of it. It's like these idiots in Arizona who tried to say that they were voting out a school board under Robert's Rules of Orders uh, because the school board said we're not going to do this business. And they got up and they walked out. And I might not have agreed with what the school board did, but you don't just, hey, we're just going to call a new election all of a sudden. No, we actually have scheduled elections for this stuff. You don't just right. nullify shit. And Congress would have come back in and done that. Now you go back to the, you talk about the standards. The problem is that the standards are applied unevenly. Um, first of all, under Brandenburg v. Uh, Brandenburg v. Ohio, the standard for incitement is you have to actually say you must go down and do X violently. The president never said that. The president said march peacefully and patriotically. Now Donald Trump trips over his words. You know he says a lot of dumb stuff. But he never he never actually encouraged the violence. He never said he actually told them to go home under the standard. A lot of them are promulgating. Then we have to apply that same standard to Bernie Sanders when James Hodgkinson went in and shot up a a baseball field full of congressional Republicans. Yeah, he was out there. Forgets about that incident entirely, don't they? Yeah. And he was out there with a weapon shouting, this is for health care. He was a big Bernie supporter. So, you know, I don't hold Bernie Sanders responsible for that, that lunatic. But if you want us to start doing that, that's fine. Um, Last summer, a whole bunch of folks on the left from Kamala Harris, Maxine Waters, the whole bunch of others uh, were, you know, not just, you know, kind of high fiving. They were actively encouraging a lot of the the Antifa and BLM violence that cost a couple dozen lives and over two billion dollars in property damage. Without Um, question, they were encouraging it without question. Yeah, they were. I mean, they're they're actually going out there and, and and just saying, go do it. Go do it. Um, so I think part of the the conservative angst comes into the standards being applied inconsistently. If, yeah. if you're going to have a standard, then apply it consistently across the board. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. It's just you protecting your, you know, your own side. Um, you're right. When when Ayatollah Khamenei and uh, Maxine Waters and Louis Farrakhan uh, and Bashar al-Assad are all on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and they're not taken down for some of the awful stuff that they have done and talk about quite openly. I mean, Louis Farrakhan, to be honest, Louis Farrakhan, uh, Shannon Sharp defending Louis Farrakhan is the reason I don't watch first things. Uh, I don't watch. Uh, oh, uh, I missed that. I totally yeah, missed that. I yeah, was not aware of that. I think it's called Undisputed with uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. Oh, um, yeah. I hate, I hate, I hate them both. They're untalented hacks. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they, 
They well look, Skip Bayless I'd rather was trying to Tony Kornheiser. Yeah, well, he was trying to recreate the stuff he had with uh, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, uh, right. bringing in Shannon Sharp. But it was oh, when we, I don't remember the exact incident, but uh, I think they they were talking about LeBron James, I believe, um, and some of the stuff on Twitter and Louis Farrakhan and Shannon Sharp came to Farrakhan's defense. And I haven't watched Undisputed since because Farrakhan is an anti-Semite and a race baiter and a hate monger of the worst order. Of course so, he is. Of course he is. So I, I don't, I'm not doing anything. I'd be embarrassed. Like I'd be that. embarrassed to have him represent anything that I believed in. I'd be embarrassed. Yeah. Um, so what needs to happen is first of all, somebody needs to, needs to start taking these, these uh, social media companies to court. You know, let's actually put, Section 230 uh, to the test in the courts. Clarence Thomas has indicated a willingness to be open to that, to, to listening to the case. And I think it might scare the shit out of the big tech enough to maybe write themselves. Again, you got to play by the, you got to play by the rules. If you're going to curate content, if you're going to be an editorial section, then you're responsible for what appears on your site, which makes you responsible for uh, libel and defamation damages. And that's not something they want. And what, what gets me is a lot of folks for, for a long time ago, I said, well, if you don't like it, go start your own platforms. Well, folks have tried that. Parler tried that. And Amazon Web Services, which is the monopoly for the most part yeah. on being able to get content out to the web, wouldn't let them. So how can you actually start a platform? How can you start your own alternative if you have no means to disseminate? That's part of it. It's not just free speech is not just, you know, I'm not going to go to jail. Free speech is I, I should be, you know, you can't stop me from disseminating. Um, and, and I, I love a lot of people who say, well, Facebook and Twitter, they're private companies. So shouldn't you conservatives let them, you know, run as private companies? Well, that has a little bit of merit, but it loses merit, A, when they're a, a monopolistic entity, which is goes against the free market. When government, B, when government is pressuring them saying, hey, if you don't do it, we're going to do it for you. And they're like, OK, well, we're going to go ahead and do it, because that basically means that it gives them gives the power of law without the actual force of law. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, so uh, having those together. And the other thing is, uh, the last thing, C, is it's funny how they're all, this is private business, but you can't go out and, you know, decide not, not to bake a cake or hold a wedding service that you don't want to. So, you know, don't come back in with this stuff when, when you're only using it to, to your side. I, I, look, I'm more than willing to respect the private business aspect of it under two conditions. Number one, you apply it evenly, which means others are allowed to conduct their private business the way that they see fit, whether it's Hobby Lobby or uh, Jack's Cake Shop or uh, whatever. Um, and the other thing is that you can't be a monopoly. When you're a monopoly, there is no power of entry into the market. There is no other way to disseminate. You, you could start, there are other social media platforms that have started up, um, but it's like AT&T. It's, you know, like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, another monopoly out there uh, anytime in the last, you know, hundred years, maybe a long time ago, uh, one of the railroads, but you know, it, it's, if there are no options, then there is no other way to go around it because the things are so established in people's minds, you know, you can go, you can build this other social media platform, but everyone is on Facebook. Everyone is on Instagram. And so you're not gonna be able to draw them away. You can say, I'm leaving because I don't feel that they are, you know, that they're nice to conservatives and that's great. You can go over here, but everybody else is not going to, is not going to leave because it's, it's simply ingrained in who they are. It's like trying to get people to not wear shoes when they're, you know, running across a field or something. 
You know, you you brought up so many great points, and I was sitting here taking notes. But I'll just I'll just I'll just bring up a few. Um, do you listen to Stephen Crowder? You do you subscribe I to have. his podcast? I have on occasion. I, I don't I don't regularly, but I have listened to him. Well, then you know he's got a lawsuit going on right now um, that I hope rises to the fact that for yet uh, that two thirty does get examined in the Supreme Court. I want to I want to be completely honest about this. I am not completely comfortable about. Um, the government stepping in because of my libertarian ways. But one thing that I didn't tell, what was his name? Chunky monkey or whatever the guy was on uh, YouTube. <laughs> his uncle. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Chunky monkey. Where'd I come up with that? It's a Ben Jerry's flavor. Okay. Thank you. He's going to be mad at me over that. Um, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, it. Monkey guy. Uh, no, no disrespect. And, um, the libertarian issue, you know, and I, I don't want to sit here and espouse libertarian view. You know, I it, like I said, it's not a political party. It's more of a, a, a movement mindset. and a mindset and a philosophy. It, it, it does bother me at my core, at my libertarian core to say, well, the government needs to step in and relook this. And but here's the thing. The government has done it many times. Mob Bell, the breakup of Mob Bell in my lifetime, which was the only phone provider in the country. And the government decided, you know what? This isn't right. They have a anti-monopoly has happened how many hundreds of times in this country where the government's had to step in. And we have a clear case of that right now. And I'm okay. I'm okay with the, the government stepping in. Also, just real quick, one more point. Part of the natural rights, you know, you and I are both, uh, uh, we come from the same source of being a Lockean and, and the natural rights of man. And that rights don't come from the government. They're intrinsic. And mm-hmm. the government intrudes on those rights only enough to ensure the safety of the people, blah, 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 blah. If anybody wants me to get into a primer about what all that is, we can do that in another podcast. But along with the free speech and allowing all of this um, free market stuff comes a moral obligation to be fair and just. That's part of the libertarian thought and feeling too. And that's what I try to explain to a lot of people. That's what separates libertarianism from anarchy is that libertarianism is about doing the right thing, not just for yourself, but for it's triage, right? I always preach triage, the greatest amount of good for the greatest number of people in the shortest amount of time. Libertarianism is very much about that. Not just, I can do whatever the fuck I want. No, I can do what I want. And like you said, when we were talking to the endless ranters, without it harming anybody else, because there is that social contract. And that's something that's missing here that really pisses me off about these these uh, hegemones that are in charge of these goddamn social media groups is that they have no qualms about how they're handling this and they know what they're doing is against the common good and they don't give a fuck. And that is anti-American and that makes me furious. Yeah, well, look, I, I have the same libertarian feelings on this that you do. Um, I, I'm always wary when government steps in because government can, government's the only uh, entity with the legal authorization of the use of force. Um, and that's why you gotta be very careful because, you know, power right. will corrupt. It'll, it'll make them want to overreach, but there are times you have to step in. And the reason why this is one of those times, in my opinion, is that folks have taken advantage of section two thirty. the government no. tried to make a carve out exactly. and people said, how can I get around it? How can I use it to my own advantage? Well, section two thirty again was allowed, was originally intended so that platforms couldn't be sued 
when, you know, when a user did something stupid on their platform. Um, well, they have taken that to the extreme and they have gone beyond the realm of being platforms and they are now in published. They are now publishers as far as I'm concerned, because they're right. making editorial decisions. Making editorial decisions. Not, yeah, they're not applying the standards evenly. Like, That's what like makes, with the whole Hunter Biden debacle prom, uh, prior to the election, they made an editorial decision to block any of that kind of stuff going on with Hunter Biden. Uh, really? How transparent can you fucking be to show your stripes about who you are and what you're doing? I would have mad respect for these assholes if they came out and said, "Now nah, we're a bunch of Democrats and we uh, we we don't want to purport conservative viewpoints. OK, at least I have some respect for you for being up front and I know what I'm dealing with. But they but they are in denial of that. And again, it's hypocritical. They're a bunch of goddamn liars. They're monopolizers. They're worse than any of the robber barons that they talk about during, you know, the turn of the century and that kind of thing. They are the new robber barons. The McCarthy's and all that kind of thing. They're far worse than the Rockefellers or any of these people because they control the information they control the mood information and what reaches the people because there's people too fucking stupid to step out of that social media echo chamber and go there's a whole world of news out here and i'm not saying go fucking watch fox news only i'm saying goddamn get the goddamn algae out of your brain and realize what's going on you're being force-fed an agenda it's not news it's not information it's an agenda well the fact that twitter and facebook and others are a lot of people get their news from that now because they're they're funnels for for other news sites and you know some of the big purveyors of Facebook and other social media cracking down are the legacy media because it used to be that they had such a monopoly in the country um, right. even as the as the internet was starting to get up yeah you had Fox News out there but it was the only one one of the reasons Fox News gets such big ratings is because the liberal audience is diffused amongst you know half a dozen other uh, news sources for a, for a long time, Fox News was the only semi-conservative news site out there. So all the conservative viewers went there. So it's not that Fox News had this necessarily larger appeal to a larger share of the masses. It's that it was the only alternative for folks who didn't want to watch the liberal mainstream news. But liberals could go to ABC, NBC, MSNBC, you know, New York Times, Washington Post. They could all go to all that. Um, well, social media became a a a funnel, a way to get uh, an alternative news out, whether it's Fox News or whether it is New York Post or Daily Wire or Daily Caller um, or The Federalist or a whole bunch of conservative outfits that normally would not get this, the uh, would normally not get the play, would normally not get the dissemination. And if they're shut down there, then, you know, yeah, their fans may know to go to their website, but you're not going to draw any new fans and they're those that are there going to eventually dwindle because they're, again, you're going to be overwhelmed by the legacy media. I mean, that Fox, I mean, uh, Facebook is already doing that by saying, well, CNN is a trusted source. So they're going to promote them higher in their algorithm. And I'm like, are you, are you shitting me? We're going to talk about that later in the pod, by the way. Yeah. Calling them a, a, a trusted news source, you know, all the fact checkers being almost, well, I don't know that I've seen a left-wing talking point fact check. I've only seen right-wing talking points fact checked, which simple common sense would say, yeah, there's some kind of screwy with that. Yeah, there is. Um, I'll kind of wrap this up. 
um, I think we've had a good conversation about this and I, I, I was kind of trying to no offense, but kind of trying to educate our listeners about the whole two thirty thing and what the conflict is. I didn't want to get deep into the Donald Trump thing because he's just a victim of this, this thing we've been talking about. Um, but I've just got a, just a quick question. Do you remember you're a little bit younger than me, but do you remember the days? Cause I do. When you would watch the evening news, the the uh, three networks evening news, and you had no idea what the politics of the man or woman sitting in front of the camera was, I remember that. Well, I, I think I have a different take on this than you do. Um, I, I was I knew the politics, but only because I really paid close attention. And what I mean by that is there was not an alternative out there. If you really paid close attention, you noticed that if they would have two people on to for different viewpoints. One of them would be, you know, a conservative spokesperson, but the other one would be Harvard professor. Um, And the way that they would choose to broadcast the news, I mean, Walter Cronkite, uh, everyone wants to think that he was at some down the middle, you know, just purveyor of news. Walter Cronkite is the re is in my opinion, the reason that we lost the Vietnam war because he came out so much after the Tet offensive, which was a strategic, That was a strategic victory for the United States, but he played it up like he was some great Viet Cong victory. Right. Um, they they went into it was a military victory across the board for the United States, not even close. Yeah, I mean they they covered Nixon and Watergate quite rightly, but they wouldn't cover you know JFK's you know many mistresses and Lyndon Johnson's uh, profound use of the N word every time he spoke. Um, they would they tried to cover for Jimmy Carter. I think that the press has been worth fifteen points to the left in elections uh, for every election cycle that I can think of. Um, I, I don't know that it, I don't know that it was 30 years ago, but I would certainly say that now. I, I think it wasn't. No, I think the reason it wasn't noticeable 30 years ago was because there were no alternative sites. There were no alternative news sources to go to, to get a different point of view. So everyone just kind of accepted it as, okay, this is what all three of the major networks are saying this. I don't have a, I mean, look, this is the reason why, you know, love him or hate him. This is why Rush Limbaugh became so popular because he was he was the first real person out there giving folks a different point of view that they weren't used to hearing yeah. on the network news. And a lot of folks he was said, a provocateur. Yeah, well, he said, hey, I kind of I kind of agree with that guy. Um, right. So you know, he's Dan making Rather, sense. Yeah. I mean, Dan Rather's always been a liberal uh, fuck nut. Um, and he would he would he would have <laughs> gotten away with say that. The, That's awesome. He would have been he would have been able to get away with the uh, George W. Bush uh, AWOL story if it had happened 20 years earlier, as opposed to happening in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting food for thought. I uh, I at least was able to used to watch the evening nudes without them saying that the president is a fascist and a Nazi and all this other stuff. And yeah, you know, I remember when Reagan's uh, assassination attempt happened and all of the newscasters were, you could see visibly the pain and distraughtness on their face, even though they didn't agree with him politically, perhaps it was a horrible thing that our president almost died. Yeah. I remember, I can't remember. He was the ABC guy. I remember he had white hair and he was actually hitting like Frank something maybe. And I remember him pounding himself on the head when it was NBC news. I think it was NBC. 
Yeah, but I just remember because we watched it in the classroom, I think in fifth grade. I remember Mr. Thompson, my fifth grade teacher, bringing a TV in there, you know, a black and white TV, wheeling it in on those carts that we had back yeah. in the day. And uh, you were always excited when you went in the class and you saw a cart with like a TV yeah. on it because you knew that's going to be a good class. But I remember that. And we sat there and we watched it all day. We sat there and yeah. we were in rapt attention all day. I remember I, first of all, Reagan's election in 1980 was the first political elect, first uh, presidential election that I have memory of. Yeah, um, he. I, I heard about his assassination attempt while I was at a swim lesson. Um, I, I I hear what you're saying about the the news anchors, you know, kind of being distraught, and that's true. And I think I think the difference between then and now is most of the reporters and most of the news anchors did not like Ronald Reagan politically, but they didn't have the kind of visceral hatred that exists today. Right, and it, it goes back to what I've said. For it wasn't a while. personal. I yeah, it I wasn't maybe personal. Even, I maybe even have touched on this. Uh, in a previous podcast, you have to remember me if I did. My memory goes sometimes is I think the 2000 election is what broke the country. The yeah, you, you, have, is what, you have talked about that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's what really engendered a lot of the, the the vitriol that we've seen prior to that. We could at least all be Americans and not wish for a political opponent's death. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people have dropped that mask. A lot of the old school folks who were who were classy about it. Um, they may have disagreed. Sam Donaldson and Ronald Reagan used to get into it on a regular basis, but neither of them wished harm on the other. Now, if something were to happen, God forbid, to to Donald Trump, um, I, I I don't know that the network news, I don't know that the news stations would not be able to stop themselves from openly celebrating, which I think is a sad and pathetic state of affairs. Right. No, I I, I completely agree with you. Um... I was just trying to look to see who that uh, who that dude was. I know that Ted Koppel and Peter Jennings were a couple of liberal uh, balls, fucking garglers. Oops, that's probably not nice to say, is it? Yeah, um, Peter Jennings is also the one that tried to chastise America after they returned control of the House of Representatives to the Republicans for the first time in 40 years yeah. and called the voters a bunch of two-year-olds. Who the hell am I thinking? I think his name was – maybe he wasn't on ABC. Maybe you're right. Maybe he was – I think it was NBC because this is this is the guy that was talk, that was upset about Jim Brady. They originally pointed uh, – they originally said that James Brady had died, and they found that they wasn't. And he, on the air, was like, can somebody get it straight? Or something along those lines. That's exactly right. That's exactly the same guy. He was yelling. He was on the phone and he was yelling. I'm trying to remember who the hell that was, though. He's not showing up. Oh, my God. And I, I know we went way off the rails here, but Lester Holt, is there a worse, worse news anchor in history than that fucking? He looks like Brainiac. I, I, I can think of I can think of several worse news anchors. I can think of everyone from Chuck from Chuck Todd to Brian Stelter to Don Lemon. Well, I'm, I'm talking about network. I'm sorry. Well, I'm Chuck Todd is Chuck Todd is NBC. Is he really? Oh, I just I don't even know who that is because I don't watch anything like that. I just looked. Well, I just looked at him. Look, look for a picture of an idiot, and he'll be right next to it. God, he looks like a douchebag. Christ, what's that long-haired hey. millennial guy that's on? Uh, um, what's his name? Okay, we're we're not doing well on the pod here. Sorry. No, we're- this is good broadcasting. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. We were going to talk about a couple other things. I threw in something on the way home tonight. We can we can let that roll for the next pod if you want. Uh, as far as uh, or do you want to quickly hit the economic issue that uh, made big news in the last? I guess we could hit that for let's let's put a time limit on it because there's a bunch of stuff we want to get to tonight. Yeah, just, a, just a few minutes. Look, the Biden. <coughs> excuse me. Biden is should have been one of the luckiest guys in history because he inherited an economy that was ready to go. 
Um, it, it was it was poised to uh, it, it was poised to to just take off uh, because this was an artificially induced uh, recession slash depression. We we kind of brought it on ourselves. Um, but he's put in place policies that have have retarded its growth. Um, we we should be having a million jobs a month come back. And he had 266,000, which is not even able, it's not even enough to keep up with population growth. I believe, uh, I believe the projection, not, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I believe the projection was 900,000 was the projection. Yeah. And it was 266,000 unemployment, which was 6% to 6.1%, which is we're nearing the end of the pandemic is insane. Um, part of this is because inflation is taking effect. Part of this is because small businesses have job openings and they can't get people to fill them because they're being paid. There was a, the Wisconsin Democratic Party got caught with its pants around its ankles for promoting a video that was just absolutely stupid. They were trying to show, hey, stimulus money is great. And they told people to, to provide videos of them getting their stimulus checks. And they were like, hey, Stimmy, thanks, Mr. President. I got money. And that's why these people aren't going back to work. After an enormous blowback, they finally pulled it down and said, oh, shit, maybe we shouldn't have put that out there because what we're doing is we're validating the narrative that people will not work if they're paid to stay home and not work. I mean, right. shoot, I'd love I'd love to just sit on my ass and not work. Um, right. But first of all, that that is an affront to me as a man. You know, if I, I need I should go out and, and earn my earn my pay. Now, if I win a lottery or, you know, could if I could survive off of my army pension, I would. But I can't do that. So I have to go out and actually earn an initial paycheck. But a lot of people are like, well, I only need, you know, if it's three hundred dollars a week, there's twelve hundred bucks a month. You know why? It's better than fifteen dollars an hour. So why why do I even need to work for it? I know I know you chose to go back to work after retiring from the army. I'm just curious, how much does Chippendales pay these days? Well, I get a lot of it from the uh, the, the numbers that are shoved into my into my phone. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of sugar mamas out there that that take care of me. <laughs> my wife is gonna kill me. <laughs> oh my god. So, you know, you made every point I was going to make. Um, one thing that I'll throw in there, too, is that, uh, as you know, I'm, uh, I have a small business, but I, I'm 100% uh, permanent, permanent and uh, service-connected disabled, so I get a VA pension. Um, and I got the stimulus checks, and I'm still trying to figure out why. Yep. My income didn't change, and I want to be consistent with this. I didn't send it back to the government. What I did is I fucking spent it and put it back into the economy, which is, I think was responsible for me to do because it just went right back to help somebody, you know, pay their bills. But why in the world, if my, my, my I didn't get it cut and paid because I'm on a pension, I, I make other money on the side too. But uh, that's how stupid this was. I don't think anybody that's, uh, you know, get SSA or Army pension or a VA pension or stuff should have got the stimulus check. Yeah, look, I, that, I, that really I got, actually kind of bought, that's, I guess that's my libertarian side talking. Like well, I said, I, I didn't, didn't send it back. I, I use it responsibly because government just would have fucking look, blown I didn't, on something I didn't terrible. send it back either. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie and say, yeah, I was, I was magnanimous and sent it back. No, fuck no. I didn't, Fuck I didn't no. send it back. I, now, at the same time, I didn't get every stimulus. This most recent stimulus back in uh, January, I didn't right. get that. I, I was above the threshold for that. But I got the other I got the other two stimuluses that I guess it was. Um, and it's, you know, when you just hand people money, like we've got some big machine. First of all, that's part of what's playing into the inflationary effects right now. Everything from gasoline to, to plywood and rubber. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the commodities we kind of take for granted every day. Um, notice the prices are going up. I mean, Jesus there, Christ. there's a reason why. You know, when I guess Joe Biden got all upset because people were saying, 
uh, comparing him to Jimmy Carter. I mean, like, well, Jimmy Carter was a nice man and he did great for human rights. Yeah, but look what his economy was like in the late 70s. Jimmy Carter might have been the worst president uh, since, uh, fuck, I don't know, Milton Wilson. Fillmore. I uh, mean, since Wilson, but I mean, yeah, yeah, FDR was no peach either. I mean, FDR. FDR, FDR fucked this country FDR in every way possible. They want to put him on a on a pedestal, but FDR's policies extended the Great Depression by at least seven years, according to every that economic he, forecast out there. He is the one that created the modern welfare state that we are suffering from now, the yep. entitlement state that he told Americans, don't worry, I'll pay for this and I'll pay for that instead of let's get together and work hard on it. Um, yep. I, you know, the CCP and some of the other things that happened, I thought were – no problem with some of that stuff was great um, to teach people job skills and have them built the Grand Coulee Dam in Washington and some of the other other projects. But we're getting way off fucking target. I, I don't know why I don't have my little thing up. Um, but but no, I, I agree with you. And a lot of people think FDR was a hero. And I know you've brought this up before. Fuck no. Fuck no. He, he was a socialist. He was a socialist and he was a racist when he was interning Japanese Americans yep. uh, based solely based solely on their ethnic heritage. That's um, absolutely so, true. Um, at, now, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so Jimmy Carter was, I mean, Jimmy Carter, uh, Joe Biden was upset uh, by some of the comparisons, but they're absolutely accurate. When you bring the inflationary effects back, that's going to last a decade or more. You know, our, our parents who are on fixed incomes, um, most of the older folks, that when their commodity prices go up, and they, they can't, the spending power is not the same as it was. That's where you're going to feel the effects. Again, that's what brought on Ronald Reagan. Now, it wasn't all Jimmy Carter. I mean, Richard Nixon was not a not a great economic steward. Of course, it exploded initially under uh, LBJ and the Great Society and the War on Poverty. And the inflationary effects really began in 1964 and didn't stop until 1981 until Reagan got his fiscal plan into place. Yep. Joe Biden doesn't seem to have learned from history. He's doing this stuff all over again. If he would have sat back and re-implemented the, the deregulation that uh, Donald Trump was going into and tried not to get into some of the, the stupid fiscal policies of, you know, let's print more money than has ever existed. Uh, he would have, the, the economy would have gone gangbusters. He or his co-president Kamala Harris would have won re-election easily in a in, landslide in 2024. But I don't think they're capable of that because they really think that they, they need to spend all this stuff because they, they want to take care of people. They don't understand that by doing that, what you're doing is you're making them dependent. And while there are folks like, there, there are a good number of folks out there who are self-starters, want to work, want to create, want to earn their paycheck. There are a good number of folks like that. But let's be fair. There are also a good number of folks who will sit around on their ass and be lazy if you hand them a paycheck and you hand them stuff without them having to go and, and earn for it. I mean, that there's, there's that's the whole reason why people say that they're going to do nothing once they win the lottery. Because once you got enough money to take care of it, you don't need to go out and work hard anymore. Fucking bullshit. And this... Uh... I'll, we'll wrap this up pretty quick because I think we've succinctly made the point on this, but it got me thinking when I was texting you with my voice on the way home, everybody, uh, it was uh, voice to text, hands-free, because um, I follow the law. I'm such a law-abiding citizen, but no, I, I do do that, actually. Um, the uh, who, Who's the what's-his-fucking-nuts, the Democratic contender who believes in a universal income? Oh, um, Andrew Yang. Yeah. Yeah. This is the result of what you're going to see if that's ever reality. This is a very small, small window into what you're going to see and why I am so completely motherfucking against it. I believe that both Sweden and Denmark at some point in the past actually tried this and they had to abandon it because it was a complete failure. Everyone wants to point to Denmark and Scandinavia as, as well, that's the socialism I want. That's not socialism. They don't have any men. They don't have minimum wage laws. 
They have very strict immigration policies. They have high tax rates and they have a large social safety net, um, but they also don't pay for their own defense. They don't pay for their own national defense. They're ethnically, demographically, and religiously homogenous communities that have small populations and access to large natural resources. So yeah, they could probably do that kind of stuff. We have a nation of 330 million, very diverse people um, who, who just don't fit into that mold. And it would be an absolute disaster. It would turn into, turns into a Venezuela kind of a thing eventually. And, and, or, you know, we'd be at subservient at the feet of, of China. Um, I, I think that people, they, they have good intentions. They want to take care of others, but they're not factoring human nature into play. They think right. this time I can make it work. No, human nature, you know, while we can make some strides in certain areas, whether it's, you know, how we deal with each other uh, racially or how we deal with uh, the sexes or how we're not going out and killing people for differences in religion. Uh, for the most part, basic human nature is unmalleable when it comes to, you know, what they will take from others and not have to do anything because it's a survival instinct. I, I don't want to have to go out and have the sweat of my brow, but I'm going to have to eat. So if you'll give me stuff, then I don't have to do that. Right. The, the problem is that whenever you give somebody anything or any institution gives somebody something, you resent that thing because it has power and control over you. That's well, also human something nature. that they haven't earned. Right. <clears throat> you give somebody something they haven't earned. They resent that. And, you know, I, I always uh, bring up, uh, well, not so much in this podcast, but in my life, uh, daddy issues. I call a lot of these things the millennials uh, are, are they rebel against their daddy issues. They hate that there's somebody in authority that's right. They hate that. You hate that. That's daddy issues. You know, I want to do what I'm going to do. And I know this stodgy old fuck over here is absolutely right in what they say, but fuck that. It builds resentment and it builds laziness and it builds, look, we'll, we'll wrap this segment up. But one of the things that you said, I'll back up just a little bit about uh, Scandinavia and Northern Europe. These are countries the size of a medium-sized state in the United States of America, a medium-sized state. So you give me that, I can control that pretty well with certain types of policies and certain types of economics. Especially, especially if you have access to a lot of oil, a lot of other natural resources, and there aren't a right. lot of people in that state. And right. they don't have to pay for their own national defense either. Right. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, we're going to Moving on. What? Moving yeah. on. Moving on, moving on. I don't have a, I don't have a, a really awesome uh, segue like I did a couple, couple of, couple of pods ago. We're gonna, we're gonna get through one more segment and then we're gonna take a commercial break. Um, let's see what's next. Oh, oh, one of my favorite segments, Russ. Guess what uh, time it is? It's time for celebrities. I'd like to hit in the face with a bag of hammers. <laughs> So I'm going to just play a quick video for you without saying who this person is. And I think you will know, you could close your eyes. I know you're going to see the video, but you could close your eyes and you know exactly what I'm about to say. Here we go. For all of you out in radio land, I am got my hands over my eyes. All right, here we go. Um, so we have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right up to the right. And we have to start doing something about them. There is no travel ban on them. There is no ban on, you know, they had the Muslim ban. There is no white guy ban. So what do we do about that? All I had to hear Are was the- you fucking kidding me? Yeah, all I had to hear was the first syllable. Don Lemon's a bigot, plain and simple. He's a bigot. 
He's an absolute bigot. He's a racist. Now, I'll just throw this out there. I'm not judging his lifestyle, but I'll just throw that out there about this. This is a black gay man who has zero talent, who's married to a white guy, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there as maybe just a little bit of hypocrisy. Now, his lifestyle is none of my goddamn business until you start saying bigoted, horrible, prejudiced things. What he just and this is very consistent. This is very consistent with him. His message is he hates white people. I guess he must be the top, not the bottom in that relationship. Apparently, well, like he's the pitcher, not the catcher, because I can't even explain this level of fucking stupidity. His lifestyle is irrelevant, except in the fact that he's claiming a lot of oppression. And yet he is so oppressed that he has a primetime, <clears throat> excuse me, primetime anchor spot on one of the top cable news networks out there. Um, and he's making more money than most people in the United States ever will. So I don't really know where he's getting the oppression from. There's, there's a lot of folks who suffer from oppression that for some reason are making a whole shitload of money. Um, so, you know, if you wanted to, that, that's the only part where it might be relevant is like, well, you know, you talk about these groups being oppressed doesn't really match up to your own, to what, how you, you are coming across. And oh, by the way, generalizing any group of people based on their, the color of their skin, the nature of their genitalia, uh, the, their, uh, sexual, their sexual interactions, I say that is, that is flat out bigotry. You know, if we, if you were to turn that around and substitute in, you know, a different, uh, anything, a different lifestyle anything or a other different than race. white men, anything other than white men, yeah. you would be would, sent to the court immediately. Yeah. You'd be, you'd be, uh, uh, cast out of polite society, but Don Lemon can get away with it. And some other folks can get away with it because they're in positions of power right now. Fuck and it's, tre- it's trendy to say, it's trendy to say these kinds of things. Um, it's funny though, when I'm on social media and somebody brings this stuff up and I turn, I flip it right back around and I'm like, Hey, you racist, don't you bring it up. And there's something like, Whoa, I can't be a racist. And because w- they're, they're not used to facing those kinds of accusations. Um, when you point out that kind of stuff, it really throws them off. And again, as I pointed out on the endless Potter at the, on the endless Randers podcast yesterday, when I do stuff like that, I'm not necessarily trying to convert the person I'm talking to. It's I'm keeping in mind who the audience is I'm talking to. Yeah, that was and, you made a good point. You you actually made me think there because I hadn't thought of it in that way. I mean, I, I guess I do subconsciously think about that. But you made a good point is that you're engaging somebody whose mind you're never going to change. But by making a very concise, logical argument, people that are reading this are going to go, yep, got it. Not only that, um, I can remember... I can remember this is this is kind of along the lines of what you were saying when I was teaching with you at UC Davis. Uh, do you remember a cadet named Donnie Wong? I do. He's uh, still he's on my Facebook friends. Yeah, he is. He's a, he, he was a great kid. Loved he's him. An, he's an awesome young man. Yes, he is. And uh, I was talking about the war overseas and I was talking about is there a moral difference, say, to defend the economy and the ability of people to live in the United States and be able to do things like buy groceries and buy gas for their cars. Is that any morally different than defending your shores from an invasion? To me, it's the exact same thing. We were talking about no blood for oil. You know what? I'll, I, you know what? I'll spend fucking blood for oil any day of the week. As long as my countrymen can live a life of safety and, and, pursue happiness, which is in the Declaration of Independence. And he came up to me after class a few days later, and he said, thank you so much for giving me a talking point against all my liberal friends. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's funny. It is funny. And yeah, he's a good kid, but it's kind of it kind of goes along with what you're saying, right? I mean, mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, anyway, sorry. I when I I've I've been listening to this guy for a while. I've been getting a lot of sound bites from Don Lemon, and he's a racist and he hates America. Well, he's a bigot at least, and he hates America. And you know, thirty years ago, um, he he would would not have a show probably because people would not have been watching him. Um, I'm not sure people are watching him now, but uh, you know, they, there's enough money behind. Uh, uh, Jeff Zucker and CNN so that they can stay on the air and spout some right. crap. What it reminds me of, it reminds me of Hollywood. Hollywood will make Hollywood will make like the Avengers and Die Hard movies so they can pull in enough money to make The Shape of Water and Nomadland, which are their artsy-fartsy stuff they really want to make, but they can't pay for because nobody wants to go see. Right. Well, um, so that's my contribution for the bag of hammers to the face. I think it's, I think he deserves it. I am not purporting violence out there. I'm not telling you to go do it, people. I'm it's, not. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Kind of. Kind of a metaphor. For how much we hate someone. Kind of a metaphor. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here and we're going to go to a commercial. Uh, we have a couple of great sponsors that we're going to go to. And the two grumpy bastards will be right back after. Hello, folks. This is Coop with the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast. Wanting to put in a good, solid word for our friends over at HardcoreHusky.com. My friend Derek Johnson, a noted local Pacific Northwest author and sports writer, uh, writer of such books as Husky Football in the Don James era, The Dogs of War, and Bowed Down to Willingham, uh, not to mention my personal favorite, The, the Husky Hitman. Um, he's a fellow that knows a lot about Husky football, but not just Husky football. HardcoreHusky.com has something for everybody. There are forums for politics, recruiting, just shooting the breeze, or hardcore college football. Uh, maniacs will love it, too. Check out HardcoreHusky.com. Um, I'm one of the old guard on that site, and Derek Johnson is a great friend of mine. So please check out that webpage if you want just some banter. I will warn you ahead of time. There's a lot of very smart people, and it's every bit as R-rated as this podcast. Um, but check it out. And also check out, check out Derek Johnson's uh, selection of books, either on Amazon.com or his personal page at Derek Johnson Books. All right. Thanks. Now back to the podcast. Hello, fellow bastardos. Are you in need of some actual professional photography? Not the kind you capture on that crappy iPhone or Android. Not the kind that everybody does with the beautiful landscape out in the background with somebody with stretch pants in the foreground trying to get attention. Well, if you need anything considering that the whole world thinks they're a photographer but would like to rely on somebody with old school skills, please go to stormkingphotos.com. Storm King is a multifaceted photographer who does retail photography, family photography such as senior photos, weddings, holidays, and does a huge, huge amount of landscape photography that is available on his webpage, stormkingphotos.com. You are welcome to ask for individualized or creative type of photography that suits your needs. So please go to stormkingphotos.com. And check out the webpage. And if you have any questions, the email address is right there in the contact page. Thank you so much for listening.
right. Hey, my friend Russ, we're back. What did you think about that uh, sample of that last song? Um, yeah, I, all I can think of is the, uh, the clip that Bob Eubanks decided to deny existed for years about where is the weirdest place you've ever made Whoopi. And, and they actually finally found the clip of the woman saying, in the ass? <laughs> oh, the, yeah, that'd be in the butt, Bob. Um, yes, I, yeah, a, a defining television show from my youth, absolutely. And Bob Eubanks, man, that guy was kind of a gangster, I got to admit. I mean. Well, he, he did have a serial killer on his show. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, it's nuts. He was actually pretty cool. He was very tongue-in-cheek about his entire career, if you ever watched any interviews or anything like that with him. Yeah, well, if you're going to do that kind of show, you have to be. I mean, he was no Wink Martindale, but, I mean, he was right up there. Yeah, Wink Martindale was my hero from my only – it was Tic-Tac-Doe was the, the show that I obsessed, <laughs> I obsessed over as a kid. I used to, I used to get like, dice into my, my parents' living room and make me and my dad play that game. You know, I love the game show host back in that day before they got all like weird about it. Like Drew Carey on The Price is Right is fucking gross. It's gross. Um, <laughs> it's gross. And because there'll never be another Bob Barker. Real quick, I remember Bob Barker was my hero. I always thought I should probably have replaced him on that show. But he was he was my hero. And I remember when he retired and they were doing an interview with him and they said, Bob, what are you going to do now in retirement? And this is exactly what he said. I'm, I'm, I'm very close to a quote here. He goes, well, I have a place in Malibu that overlooks the beach. And in this hand, I'm going to be petting my black lab. And in this hand is going to be a vodka and soda. That's what I'm going to do in my retirement. <laughs> I remember when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I had this, this great plan that when I was going to, when I finally got out on my own, the way I was going to get out on my own and have, you know, furnish my very first apartment and have enough money was I was going to go on the prices right and win the showcase. And I was going to pick the showcase with all the furniture. So I had enough stuff to furnish my apartment. That's that a, my, my you know, 10, 11 year old dream. I know four showcase shoulder winter, uh, showdown winners. I know four. I can think of them off the top of my head. Two of them are army officers. One was a guy I went to college with, and another was just some random guy that I was talking to back in the day. Yes, yes, weird. Wow. Just, mm. Yeah. Let me let me get on let me get on with the pod here, Russ. I got a couple of things I want to talk about. So I'm going to introduce a new feature here called Good News from Coop, and this is stuff that you may not know and you may not hear about in the uh, mainstream media or anything else. I'm going to talk about the environment and I'm going to talk about the effects of that environment on population. And I'm going to talk about um, something that you may not know. A book that really defined my life was by one of our former governors up here in Washington state by the name of Dixie Lee Ray. Now she didn't have a, a really uh, amazing term as the whole whoops thing where they built a bunch of nuclear reactors and never finished them and put billions of dollars into them and never actually stood them up was, was kind of the reason she got voted out. But I, I read a, an amazing book by Dr. Bjorn Lomborghi called false, false alarm, how climate change costs us trillions, hurts the poor and fails to fix the planet. Um. It's, it's pretty amazing. I, I would like everybody to read it. Now, he certainly is coming at it from a point of view. This guy um, is uh, this uh, Dr. Lombardi is part of the Copenhagen Consensus Center. Um, he also teaches at the university level. And one of the things he talks about is population growth. 
Now, we all get the bad news that the population growth of the planet is not sustainable and it's going to get out of control and we can't feed anybody and we're putting too much, you know, farts in the air and all that kind of thing. Well, I I extensively studied the background um, source material that he put out in this book. Uh, my friend Russ, let me just give you a, a, an overview of what he has to say about population growth. Not only is population growth not an issue, it's actually going to reverse itself by 2100. And here's, here's why he says this. It will plateau around 2050. Um, now, the global aspect of feeding the population is no longer a global problem. It certainly is a local problem in certain countries continents and all that. Of course, of course it is. You know, Africa still has a lot of issues, a lot of pockets of of hunger and all that. But two forces have conspired to really end the food shortage on planet Earth. Those are GMOs and capitalism. Mm -hmm. So whatever you think about both of those things. And by the way, GMOs, we'll get into this in another podcast. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been doing that for thousands of years by selectively breeding yeah. and you know doing. Can I break in half a second? I just sure. I agree with you. I want to say people who run down GMOs really have not looked into the issue. Um, I, I think yeah, we've done that for a long time. It's one of the keys to feeding and, and providing nutrients to us. So yeah, I'm I'm 100 on board with what you're saying. Yeah, no, I do, and and this is this is a little bit kind of hard to comprehend a little bit because it's it's not intuitive. Our intuitive nature says that we're like rabbits and we're going to keep breeding and all that. Not the case because there's a lot of factors that feed into it. So, for instance, one of the things you brought up, vaccinations, which keeps kids from dying in huge numbers. So, um, there's a stat that I really like that kind of illustrates this. So, children under the age of 15 versus working age adults. Okay. That's an important concept to kind of keep in mind because if we keep the children alive, they become working age adults and people don't die that much in their first couple of decades as working adults. Now you have world wars, you've had some cataclysmic events that have changed that. But once you get through that childhood phase of dying from a lot of diseases, you stay alive for a while. That's just the way it works. So in 1950, the ratio of children under 15 to working age adults was 1.8. In 2018, it rose to 2.5. Okay, that's a huge jump. That's almost 2.5 adults as opposed to 1.8. In 2100, we project that 3.4 adults per one child under the age of 15 will exist on planet Earth. That's very important because you're talking about working adults that are actually producing and doing things. The worst thing you can have in a population is a lot of really old people that can't do anything or a lot of young people that need a high degree of maintenance. Does that make sense? Yep. Am I scientifically kind of laying that out? All right. So let's move to the next statistic that I like. The median age of planet Earth among all people on planet Earth. Yes, 330 billion people right now. In 1950. No, no 7 billion people, 330 million in the United States. Or 330 billion. Sorry. I did say wow. that. Thank you. Thank you. I see. I need a fact checker. Good job. <laughs> 1950, the median age of every person on planet Earth was 23.6 years old. Right now, it's about 30 years old. That's a huge jump. Almost seven years. 
mm-hmm. in 2100, the median age of human beings are going to be 41.6, which is the age of people in their most productive years as far as finance and producing things. Okay. Now, what does this all mean? More kids live to be productive adults and productive adults do things. Productive adults don't necessarily have children when children are living because they don't need to have a bunch of children to produce the children that don't make it through childhood into adulthood. Okay. So like the, the issues in Africa where literally they have 10 children because six of them are going to die of cholera by the time they reach, yep. you That's know, been one of my big points for a long time. We are extinguishing that idea. So Dr. Bjorn Lomborghi, in a very complicated mathematical formula, basically says that um, climate change, it, the, the things that we're putting in place to, to uh, curb climate change are failing to fix the planet. They hurt the poor because they're creating, they're, they're migrating industry away from people in entry level type of positions away towards, uh, oh, we're going to have solar. We're going to have all these job opportunities and producing batteries and all that other thing. It's the wrong idea. We're looking at maybe a 0.3 degree increase in temperature this century. Okay. The climate will change, but human beings will adapt with it. And it's going to have many positive effects like creating more agricultural land, creating an environment where more plants will be able to grow and recede the carbon dioxide um, saturation in the atmosphere, which, as you know, carbon dioxide isn't the most harmful greenhouse gas by far and away. It really has very little to do with what's going on with the climate change. So the good news is, folks, we can we can rest easy because um, did I did I did I hit the death and births issue? I think I did Um, because of modern medicine. There's been a. 7.7% 7.7% decline between 1950 and 1970. Between 1970 and 1990, another 25% decline. And since then, there's been another 34% decline in children that die before the age of 12. Yep. So more adults in the working age means that we have more production and less childbirth, not more. So I just... Yep. Uh, I used to... I used to... Uh, even even though I, I knew that the statistics before, it really took until the birth of my first daughter before I, I was able to put it all together because uh, my, my daughter was uh, born almost 10 weeks early. She was in the NICU uh, at in California for the first eight weeks of her life. And I remember going in to see her and there's all these kids in there with all these issues, you know, some born, you know, where they didn't, they, their esophagus stopped and they didn't have a stomach. Um, or kids born blind or kids with, with cerebral hemorrhages. Um, luckily, my daughter's done great, but she developed a condition called neck, necrotizing enterocolitis while she was in the hospital. Um, and I remember looking at all this and thinking, how did our species ever survive long enough to invent the airplane or the internal combustion engine or whatever? And then right. that's when it, it hit me. Oh, yeah. People used to have 15 kids and, you know, half to two thirds of them would die before they were 10 years old. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, and uh, yeah, I brought up that point a little bit and you're, you have a personal experience with that and you're exactly right. Social evolution. I, the one part that I left out of that is that, uh, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but you are related to twice the number of females than males. If you look at your, your 
your family tree. And that makes sense because females have kids, males don't. There's a lot of males that never reproduce and the females that reproduce usually reproduce more than once. And they have a proportionately larger number of, you know, it's like 52% of children born on planet earth are female, not male. Okay. So we're becoming extinct. No, I'm kidding. But so you related to twice as many females as you are males, but cultural norms have shifted very much into women being professionals, women not having children necessarily. They're not 13-year-olds married to a 20-year-old having nine kids on the prairie to make sure they can bring the turnips and potatoes in. So there's been this societal and cultural shift that also is going to curtail population growth. Now, there's going to be pockets where this isn't true. Africa is the biggest um, Uh, continent probably. We actually don't know what's going on in that dark continent of China. So we don't know how many people are, you know, we we don't know. We get numbers and we know they're not accurate. There's a 1.4 billion Chinese. It could be 3 billion. We don't have a fuck. China still claims they only lost 83,000 people to the pandemic. So yeah, none of their numbers. Exactly. Exactly. But I just, I just thought that was interesting. And I'm going to bring this up as a new feature every now and again. The good news feature is that we are not overpopulating the planet. And as a matter of fact, we're on the precipice of going into a reverse shift where population is going to decline over the next 50 years. Yeah. And people won't believe you because it's not the message they've been bombarded with the last 40 years. I got the math and I'm happy to send them the, again, two grumpy bastards at gmail.com. Happy to send you my source material. And it's not just the book by Dr. Bjorn Lomborghi. I actually did a deep dive into his source material. So, Russ, we're going to move into the entertainment distraction section of the podcast. But before we get to your review of Falcon and Winter Soldier and my my thoughts on that, I got a couple of serious questions I'd like to ask you, if that's okay. This one's really important to me, and I'm going to get a little emotional here. Russ, is is a hot dog technically a sandwich? Um, No. I disagree. Hot dog is not a sandwich any more than a taco is a sandwich. It's got meat and bread. Yes, but it's supposed to be between two pieces of bread and it's not supposed to be standalone. Yes, but I put mustard and relish on and sauerkraut on my hot dogs. Yes, and I don't put any of that on a sandwich. I think we need to go to our gallery to decide whether a hot dog is actually a sandwich. Well, I I can decide for them. Anyone in the gallery who says a hot dog is a sandwich, you're a moron. I disagree. Okay, Russ, I got one for you that you might appreciate. One more serious question, and then we'll move on. What is the level of importance of a human being that determines whether you're murdered or assassinated? Um level of reach. I don't know that that's quantifiable, but uh, either level of reach or the reason you were murdered. Um, Because all assassinations are murders, but not all murders are assassinations. Yes. So So, the subset subset of murders are assassinations, not the other way around. Got it. I'd say, I'd say it's dependent on your reach. You know, what, how many people do you reach with your ideas? And again, the reason you were murdered, if you were murdered just because you were in, you know, circle K at the wrong time and, um, Robert came in there and shot you because he wanted access to the Slim Jims that you were standing in front of. You weren't assassinated. But if somebody came after you because you were on the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast and they didn't like that you were spouting things about, uh, you know, Joe Biden and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and they wanted to shut you up, that would be an assassination. 
All right. Well, I, I, you know, I, so, so let me throw a scenario at you. Matthew McConaughey, he wrote a book uh, recently, which is actually kind of intriguing. I've heard him. So he's like, all right, all right, all right. I'll talk about the green lights. So like if somebody murdered him over his ideas in that book, would that be an assassination? Cause he is Matthew well, McConaughey. Uh, I know who he is. I don't know the book. Um, if, if they murdered him over that, that that would probably qualify as an assassination um just because it would be he'd be being murdered i guess for political reasons i don't know enough about the book to really comment on that um i know that but <laughs> well, you don't uh, need to know anything about the book to know that if somebody killed him because of his ideas that he spouted in the book yeah i mean I, again i just don't know maybe i don't know what the ideas are um so uh yeah they, it would probably qualify now i think uh, just on another political note, I've heard McConaughey wants to run for governor of Texas. It's like I've heard that The Rock wants to run for president of the United States. And what I don't think either of them understands is, you know, they're very popular right now because a lot of folks don't really get their political opinions. They don't know what their political opinions really are. The moment they open their mouths, they're going to alienate half the public. Yeah, they will. I, I do like both of those fellers, by the way. I think they're both very talented and hardworking. I, I do too, but Matthew McConaughey said he's going to start talking about common sense gun control in Texas. I just don't think that's going to fly with the Texans. <laughs> yeah, that's we. Every I think everybody out here that's listening to even one of our podcasts knows our stance on gun control. Gun control means making it sure you're center that. of mass and squeeze, not pull the trigger. Yep. Um, all right. With that, I want to uh, give you some space. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which um, was on Disney Plus as a as a limited series, um, the Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, and that guy that plays the Falcon. I can't remember his name, and I like him. Anthony, as Anthony Mackie. Mackie. Thank yep. you. I like him as an actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's good. Um, please take the floor, sir. Um, well, let's say that I I didn't care for it, and as it wore on, I grew to actually hate it. Um, I think wow, I, I didn't expect that. Really? Um, first, as a uh, as a broad overview, um, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is starting to jaunt, uh, starting to uh, jaunter down the path, if that is even a word. Um, I like it. If it's not, let's make it one. Yeah, they're starting to go down the path that the Marvel Comics did in the mid to late '90s of the wokeism preaching at everybody, which is one of the reasons why Marvel Comics almost went bankrupt and had to sell off a bunch of their franchises from X Men to Spider Man. That's why they got the whole Spider-Man kerfuffle going on right now between Sony, who owns the Spider-Man franchise because Marvel had to sell it to him, and Disney, who's kind of renting Spider-Man back. Um, I did not know that. First, yeah, first of all, the uh, I think uh, Falcon turning down the role of Captain America uh, at the beginning. I, I get that they had to do something to create tension. But I think they could have done a lot more. You know, uh, the, it kind of destroyed what Steve Rogers was doing at the end of Endgame where he was kind of passing the mantle off yeah. to, uh, to Falcon. Sure, um, sure. That, that was – it was all about uh, Falcon was supposed to be a, a good man, and that's why he's getting the shield. And he accepted. He's like, I'd be honored. And then he just gave it up all of a sudden. Um, I think they could have done a storyline where um, – uh, I remember the actor's name, Anthony Mackie, and I'm forgetting Falcon's alter ego. Um. Oh, what was his name? What's his name in the series? Um, shit. I'm having it's a alter ego. I'm missing. I'm missing something here. Well, Anthony Mackie is the name of the actor. Yes. Falcon is his name as the hero. Right. 
what's his name in the series though? He doesn't. He's not called Falcon all the time. I mean, he actually has a name. Um, uh, no, yeah, I, I, don't, Sam I don't. Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson. I just, just you, came Sam Wilson. Yeah, I, I couldn't um, remember that either. Thank you. I couldn't create attention as you know Sam Wilson trying to act the part of Captain America and not being believed by the public because they thought Steve Rogers was Captain America, um, or him getting into trouble because he doesn't have he didn't have the super serum that that Steve Rogers did. Um, they could have gone down those routes. Instead, they chose to play up. Hey, the Avengers are are poor because no one's giving them any money, even though they saved the world. And this is just a few weeks after the events of Endgame. And then, oh by the way, uh, he gets into trouble with the police. Just they they go against him just because he happens to be African American, which is you know an interesting take. I mean, Anthony Mackie himself is so oppressed that he's worth millions of dollars and has his choice of superhero movie roles nowadays. Um, They brought in another super soldier out there who was discarded because he was a minority, which again is, is kind of crazy. I understand, you know, maybe you bring in some tension, but, but the whole point was they were trying to recreate the super serum over time. That was in the MCU. That's what happened to Bruce Banner. Um, That's how he became the Hulk because he was trying to recreate it and he got it wrong. The Hydra folks got the serum wrong. Um, so that there just happened to be another super soldier out there that uh, felt mad at people hating him and decided not to do anything. That don't make much sense because why would the super serum have not gone out anywhere else? I think they destroyed the character of Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter as a Oh, friend. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree 100% with that yeah. one. So, suddenly now she's evil and she's infiltrating on behalf of she's the, was it the kingmaker? Or yeah. Is she, is she in bed with Hydra? Yeah, she's she never been hydra, but she's kind of starting her own little. She's she was called the power broker. That was it. Power broker, power um, broker. Yeah, that, that was she, weird. That was weird. I I, was, I hate it when they turn. I hate it when they turn characters that you that you've loved into bad guys because now it, it makes you view their previous appearances in the other movies with a with a completely different uh, different eye. Right. Um, and then yeah, I, I get bringing in uh, the new Captain America America to create some tension, but and look. Uh, uh, what was his name? Wyatt Russell, I think is his Wyatt name. Wyatt Russell. Yeah, he's yeah. Kurt Russell's kid. Yeah, and he, he's great at it. And people hated him so much that he was actually getting death threats, which is stupid. These guys are actors. They play these parts. No, he's, he's a good actor. He's a good yeah, actor. I mean, so anybody who's given him death threats is a complete schmuck. Um, but he <laughs> Really? Yeah, he, he, played it, he played it pretty well. Um, but near the end, especially, they're, they're – I, I know that they were trying to build sympathy for Carly, the the terrorist leader, um, who was part of the yeah uh, yeah the I don't even remember the name of the terrorist organization. Anymore. That's how much I I decided to pay attention. Um, but I, I, I when that when she when she ended up getting killed, I just remember looking at my wife and saying, "I don't know about you, I'm glad she's dead. She was a terrorist. <laughs> she was a villain. She needed to, she needed to be killed." Um. I have no truck with her getting killed at all because she was a bad person. She was blowing up innocent people to try to get her way. Yep. Um, she was a terrorist. Absolute terrorist. terrorist. And then uh, Mackie coming out after Falcon Winter Soldier saying they're going to play up more social justice stuff. Folks, this is what killed the, I mean, nobody remember the female Ghostbusters they tried to play all that stuff into and it went completely haywire. Um, you, you, you don't need to bring this stuff in. People don't like to get preached at. They, you know, if you want to make subtle messaging, that's fine. You know, Infinity War and Endgame had some subtle messages. Um, Civil War, Captain America: Civil War. You, you kind of didn't know which side to root for. I was Team Iron Man. I actually rooted for Iron Man in that one, but I was Team uh, Captain America. Well, I just I'm of the opinion nobody, no one person is above uh, is above being checked. 
uh, is above being. Yeah, that, um, that figures you'd go with the guy who wanted to enforce the government policy. That I'm not trying to enforce the government policy. I just, I just did not think Cap, see, Captain America wanted to act on his own as and be his own check and balance. I don't, I don't think anybody is that incorruptible. And since I tend to view those, movie, those movies a little bit more uh, analytically, I, I think there needs to be a check and balance on everybody, including Captain America. Um, but either way, I, I, I get that. Unfortunately, they're going down the wrong path with Captain America. I'm, I'm sorry, with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, Bucky needing to get pardoned. I mean, shoot, the dude just helped save the world. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that he's earned the pardon. Um, <laughs> Hel- Helmet Zero, uh, uh, Helmet Zemo, excuse me, Helmet Zemo was suddenly he was a, uh, a Sokovian prince. No, in Captain America Civil War, he was a colonel in charge of a Sokovian kill unit. Why does no. they make him a prince so we can get all these connections? I mean, his I, thought, I thought that was, was unnecessary, that. unnecessary fodder to the plot. I really did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I, you know, they, they, they had the, the dude that the new Captain America killed had admired the old Captain America. So they were trying to throw in some extra, you know, some extra tragedy there, which I thought was completely unnecessary. Um, I, I'm I, I don't like when these movies do this kind of stuff. If you ever want you ever want to see something, you know, see a takedown of a movie, go to my blog and read my takedown of The Last Jedi because I go into it in similar detail. I didn't hate Falcon and Winter Soldier on quite the same level that I did The Last Jedi, but I still. Still did not care for the ending. Um, I am I am very nervous about where they're going to go in the future. I, I already I found out that because they were they're already going woke. They took a scene out of uh, Wandavision that was supposed to introduce. They had already signed Benedict Cumberbatch. Doctor Strange is supposed to be one of the final scenes of Wandavision, and they yeah. took it out because they didn't want the, uh, saw the old white guy to come in and save the day. Which I you know how he doesn't even need to do that. Introduce him. He's the the master of the mystic arts. You know, maybe the Scarlet Witch could actually learn something from him. I thought that was the point. I thought that was the point going forward. Yeah. And she's undisciplined in her mastery of magic. She knows nothing about that. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens with with Loki. Um, When Loki comes out June, I think it's June 2nd. I'm looking forward to that a lot. He's such a good actor. Yeah. But again, I was looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I'm afraid they're going to, I'm going to go into a trepidation now because I'm afraid that they're going to, they're going to screw it up trying to preach at us about stuff. But all we really want to do is have a good time and enjoy a good story. I got you. Let me give you just real quick, real quick. There was a, uh, of course there was a, uh, excuse me. Um, You know how they, they analyze the ratings. They analyze when people leave the show and that kind of stuff. It was, I don't remember the percent drop off, but when they, I think it was episode two when they had the interaction between Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes and the cop and the cop took Bucky's side and immediately went against Sam Wilson. Um, According to the ratings analysis, that they lost a whole bunch of viewers. Like the moment that happened, people really? dropped. Yeah, people dropped the moment that happened because they were like, "Okay, I see where this is going." Now again, I stuck with it. It's you know, it's kind of like the old the old Sheldonism when I and when I'm into a show, I'm going to stick with it to the end. You know, I I stick I stuck with this to the end. I stuck with Heroes until they finally made it unwatchable so much so that they canceled it. Right. Um, I remember you were really into that too, and you were so disappointed. At the end. first season was awesome, and then they spent four or five seasons after that just tanking it. And yeah. I unfortunately stuck with it all to the end. Thank God um, Battlestar Galactica wasn't like that. It was the greatest show ever from the first episode on. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we can have a whole other Battlestar Galactica debate at some other time, and I can tell you how wrong <laughs> you are on that. Um, BSG! BSG! Starbuck is not a woman. Yes, she is. Nope. Uh, uh, is all right, go ahead. She's a hot blonde woman who could kick your ass. All right, go ahead. I doubt that. Um, I, 
I just am afraid that, that Marvel's going down this road. If you ever see, if you see some of the new movies that are coming out, you know, Shang, Shang Chi, I guess. I read that comic book as a kid. Yeah. Well, that that's coming out sometime soon. And supposedly that's going down a bad road. Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is yeah, already Brie Larson. She's terrible. She's, she's already, you know, I can't even look at her. She's fucking I, terrible. I, she's a bad actress and I can't even fucking look at her. Yeah, Disney's going to do to the Marvel universe what it did to the star Wars universe and just ended up in the toilet. Or what the showrunners of HBO did with Game of Thrones, where it started out awesome, and now they ended it so right. badly, no one even watches it anymore. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So those are my thoughts on Cap- on Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, there was a couple of hitch points that I may differ from you. I really like the story about... I don't think it was woke. I think it was a, I think it was a good storyline. And sometimes, you know, just because it's not conventional. Yeah. Anyway, I won't even into that. The uh, storyline about the, the uh, black gentleman who could have been Captain America, but racism kept him from being it in the 1940s. I kind of like that. I kind of like that tension that was built in that. I don't think that was woke. I think that was kind of like, well, realistically back then it, it would have been a huge okay. fucking issue. If, if you want to say, you want to say this? Not, you want to go about the not woke thing? I I can I can understand that kind of tension existing with that kind of a Captain America back in the fifties and sixties. The sure. problem is, and this is me being the effete snob that I am, it introduces a huge plot a uh, huge plot hole because they never got they never figured out the serum yet. This guy suddenly had it and just didn't do anything with it. You yeah. thought that if they perfected the serum on him, it would have been used you know, later with other people, I, that that's a enormous plot hole. The The whole point was that, uh, whoever, whatever the doctor's name was with a Dr. Erskine, um, in the, uh, in Captain America, the first Avenger, there was no one could replicate his serum. And if they did it and he just didn't want to be Captain America because of the racial issues, why didn't they just use the serum somewhere else and create a whole new breed of super soldiers? There was a plot hole there. I'm just basically saying that I, I found some good dramatic tension in that whole, whole thing between him and Anthony Mackie. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I did find good tension between when Bucky Barnes realized that he killed the son or grandson, whoever that was of. Oh yeah. Of his that was rough. Uh, speaking of Bucky Barnes, uh, the winter soldier, I'm going to say this and you may disagree. Sebastian Stan is by far and away the best actor in the Marvel universe. And it's not even close. Um, he's good. I don't know that he's the best. Um, it's not even close. Uh, see, there, there's so I mean, many good ones. I, I, Robert I, Downey I, Jr. is good. I, 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 I like Robert Downey Jr. I, I like uh, Chris Evans. And yeah, no, I don't like Chris Evans. Fuck Bastion that. Stan is left his Bastion Stan is up there. I, I don't call him the best, but I, I agree with you. He, he's very good. Yeah, he's very good. I liked I liked what he brought to the role. Um, I kind of like the character development between him and him and uh, Sam becoming friends and getting over there kind of uh, I thought that was realistic, you know, and uh, their, their grudging friendship that became a, a, a partnership. Um, I agreed with you on a lot of it. What I hated the most, and I, you, you said most of it, so I won't waste the, the pod listeners time going through my notes, but what I hated the most was the fucking end when all yeah. of a sudden, Sam comes out with this uniform. Where the fuck did he get it? Who developed it? Who made that fucking new Captain America uniform? And Captain America does not have fucking wings. Wings are for pussies. Sorry. Well, he's, supposed to be, he's supposed to be Falcon, not 
that that's a Falcon outfit. That's not a Captain America outfit. Exactly. Um, if he'd given up his wings and he basically like, I'm going to sacrifice my former superhero deal, which was only based on the fact that I'm, I'm a, I'm a tough guy, but I have these weird technological wings. That was his only superpower. But now yeah. I'm Captain America. That would have impressed me a lot more. Yeah, it would have taken guts to do that, but I don't think they had the guts to do it because they didn't want to right. take anything away from him. Right. So, yeah, the end of that pissed me off. I'm like, so he's going to keep the wings and he's going to have the shield and he's going to fly around in this new white kind of like giggity gee uniform that, uh, yeah, no, nah, I, 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 I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the end where he did that. So, oh, yeah. sorry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, and I didn't like they just kind of forgave the new Captain America. Right. Um, I don't remember his name. Um, what his name was in the show. I just can't remember. I, I don't remember. I just know I just, he's Kurt Russell's him, son. That's all I know. I just called him new captain America. Um, right. But suddenly he's, he's all forgiven after going through that, that court martial, but as if they were really, a guy's head off with the shield. Yeah. Yeah. But as if they would have really done anything to him after winning three medals of honor, do you know the public outcry that would have gone up <laughs> after, after doing that? Um, there've been what a handful, like a couple of guys that have won two medals of honor. Um, and those are like the unicorns. Um, the, the other thing was, like I said, just the destruction of the character of, of Sharon Carter. I, I, yeah, really, that bothered found, me I really did not like that. I thought I that was why they went in that direction at all. I don't, I don't even get it. But anyway, they didn't really explain. It, it's, it's one thing if you could have shown her backstory and how she got bitter and how she built the power base, but she, they just threw the character in there with no explanation. And so folks didn't understand why she's like that based on how she was in civil war and winter soldier. Right. No, I, I, I don't get it either. They, they didn't bridge that gap at all. No, at least WandaVision. What I appreciated about that is it talked about, what do they call it? The five-year disappearance, everybody, the riff or whatever it was, blip. the blip. Thank blip. you. Um, I like riff better. That's she doesn't use the riff, yeah. but um, they, they, they got in deep explaining that the effects on people, they bridged a lot of gaps that weren't answered. <laughs> I appreciate that. And WandaVision was a really, really good show. Um I find very little to bitch about in there. I thought it was incredibly creative, uh, really well done. And um, except, uh, except, let me let me let me put in one thing that a lot of people still don't. I, I'm, maybe I'm going to piss off some folks with this. Wanda probably. was the villain. Wanda was uh, the villain in that show. What's that? Wanda was the villain in that show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. but I but I think I think that that show made that kind of clear that it was ambiguous. I really do. I really do. I know. I think you walked away from that going, huh? If you are a thinking person, you did anyway. You know? Well, I just, I, I saw her from the outset kind of as the villain. And, and even though I understand it's a different, difficult time with her and vision and coming back from the blip and stuff, I just, she, she was more, vil- it was hard for me to root for. Her. Even when, uh, with, when Agatha Harkness showed up uh, there at the end, it was still hard for me to root for Wanda because of what she did. I got you. And how good was Catherine Hahn in that role as Agnes Harness? She Jesus. was awesome. My God. And I love her as an actress. She makes me laugh, and I think she's great in everything she does. Of course, the immortal scene where she has sex with John C. Riley in uh, Step Brothers. Stay golden, pony boy. Yeah, well, um, and her her and the uh, Alec Baldwin sweaty balls bit. Sweaty balls, yes. <laughs> I, she's she's awesome. She's one of my favorite comedic actresses, and she just nailed it in that in that miniseries. Yeah, and I, I, one one bit of brilliant casting I loved in that was I did like when they pulled in. I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy who played Quicksilver in X Men. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they pulled that, him in. 
Yes. Yeah. That that was that was a that was a cute little nod to what he had been in. And what a great Easter egg that was, right? What a great Easter egg that was. Yeah, that was. I love that. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. I appreciate that, Russ. I'm glad you uh, did a deep dive on that because I had a lot of thoughts too. But you you pretty much talked. Anything um, anything you want to add before we get out of here tonight? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think uh, you know we've we got a lot more we could talk about if we kept going. We could probably talk for another hour or two. But I, I know I got people. I got to. We're going to lose listeners if we bit. start doing that shit. Although I, I, we do have a loyal listener. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, to an old friend of mine that I've known since I think probably second grade, Jen Penland. I think she's a, she's a gal that I grew up with out there in Lewis County and she's one of our uh, loyal listeners and she uh, she's always bugging me about when the next one's going to drop. So I want to give a shout out to her. She's been there from the beginning for us and she's always rooting us on. So thank you, Jen. Love you to death. Um, like I said, known her since I was seven years old. She's a great gal. Um, I just want to throw this in pot of the week as we go out. Um, I hope, I hope that you guys are listening to Dan Crenshaw's pod. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Um, Dan Crenshaw, of course, the Navy SEAL and uh, um, congressman out of Texas. He's got a lot of great guests and not only is he thoughtful um, and I love his politics. That's great. But he has a lot of great guests and he's very, very analytical about things. I, uh, I really appreciate his temperament. Um, Ex-Navy SEAL. A lot of you folks know that he was uh, severely wounded by an IED and um, only has one eye and the eye he has doesn't see very well. But um, great guy. Um, if you haven't listened to him on some other podcast or read his book, please, please look into that. But We Hold These Truths is a great podcast. I don't miss a single one. And he's back now after that surgery where he had to lay on his stomach for what was like 10 days or something like that. So his eye didn't explode. What a fucking man. A guy like that makes me think that uh, I need to try a little harder every day. So that's what I got. Um, Yeah. Anything else, my friend? If we get more like him in the government, that would be great. Yeah. If we get more men, if we can get more like Dan Crenshaw into government, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And uh, regards to the party or anything like that, patriotic Americans are always welcome. Used to be a lot more of that on both sides of the aisle, but maybe we'll get that back one of these days. All right, folks, uh, thank you for listening. I think we went pretty long this time, my friend. Um, Almost two hours. Almost two hours. Um, Once again, we were on the Endless Ranters podcast. I'm not saying... um, Rentless ranters, any or randlers or anything like that anymore. I think the grumpy ranters, <laughs> grumpy, grumpy ranters. That's right. Um, so go check out that pod if it uh, hasn't dropped yet. Um, look at Endless Ranters on YouTube. We babble for damn near three hours on that one. Yep. I think you guys will appreciate it, and we appreciate uh, we appreciate their their help and uh, friendship as always. So from Russ and Coop. Remember, stay on target. Wah, wah, wah. When a man could still work, still would. The best of the free life behind us now. And are the good times really over? Chad.
push a Ford and a Chevy Which still last ten years like the shoe It's the best of the free life behind us now And all the good times really over 